Welcome back to another episode of Old Fashioned Workin' Whiskey, an old-fashioned podcast brought to you by a couple of old-fashioned guys drinking some wonderfully made old fashions. In studio with me today, as always, Mr. Olin Hyde. How's it going, buddy? It's going well. You know, I understand if people listen to the Table Group podcast at the table, understand Cody's dilemma. Every time Pat is like, how you doing? It's not a good setup. No, and I always mean to change the question, but I... As, as I'm sure Pat does as well, but it just, it's habit. It is. It is. So, great. Awesome. All those Cody answers. Shout out to At The Table. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, what are we going to imbibe today? Oh, we got a special bottle today. Um... It's actually branded with our podcast name. Old Fashioned Working Whiskey. A very, very small batch. <laughs> One <laughs> bottle, to be precise. <laughs> Brought to you by Barrels and Billets. Uh, so, Olin and I were fortunate enough to get to go up to Louisville, the bourbon capital of the world, and enjoy in uh, a special barrels and billets tasting and uh, custom whiskey, experience. Whiskey blending experience. Yeah, yeah, so it was very cool. We got to make our own. So this is the one um, that we put together while we were there. And then we've got one other one that's uh, going to be on another episode down the road. So this is old-fashioned work in whiskey. It is 45% alcohol by volume, which puts it at... 90, 90 proof. It's a little weaker than normal, but still a solid, uh, still solid bourbon. Let's see how we did, buddy. Smells good. Smells really good. Hmm. Very mild. Oaky. Yeah. The oaky from Muskogee. I can't imagine you put extra simple in yours. Just a little bit to knock off that edge, but I wish it kind of hadn't now. I wish I'd have tasted it first. Yeah. So, but it's still really good. And we're having it in a filthy old-fashioned today. Two filthy cherries in there. Yeah. So 70% of the flavor comes from the interaction between bourbon and wood in the barrel. So that's why selecting the barrel is so important. That's why the single barrels all taste different and have different flavors and fills. So unfortunately, you folks out there can't try it. I do recommend that you look into Barrels and Billets. It was a really cool yeah. place. Especially if you're ever in Louisville. Yeah, stop by, do their custom experience. It was definitely worth it. It's right there in the heart of downtown with, uh, I mean, we were literally right across the street from Michter's. Yeah, Michter's. So, yeah, check it out. It's it's, it's a really good drink, so we'll, uh, we'll enjoy it. And then we're going to talk about managing people today. Hmm. Sorry, I had to have another sip. That was that's delicious. We got them our <laughs> barrels and billets coasters, too, that we got while we were there. That's true. Oh, we should have used our... Um, glasses but yeah they're well. still down there in the back <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about managing people and there's a couple of ways to do it and i prefer one over the other but we want to talk about you know our experience so we've got seven years as business owners um dozens of years between us in in management and we want to just talk about an effective way to manage people so what would you say is the most common or uh, what do people revert back to in times of stress and anxiety and, and when things are cranking, where, where would you say people fall? Well, in our, our choices here, reaction. 
Yeah. yeah. Right. And I, I think even if we had a list of other options, I think that's where people just go to. Like when we get busy, we're overwhelmed. We react instead of thinking ahead or thinking of the big picture. We just respond to issues. Complaint comes in. Okay. We're going to go get it taken care of. Somebody calls out. We get it filled. Somebody quits. We try and hire someone. And more often than not, that's because we've sat back and waited until stuff's gotten too far gone. So the first step, the other option in this, in this one is going to be relational management. If you manage through relationships, I think personally, your life will be a lot easier as far as leading and managing goes. I don't know that everybody would agree with me, but that's just me. I'm a people person. I, I like people. I, I adjust people well. So for me, that's how I like to do it. Mr. Hyde, is it, is it the same for you or? Yes, but different. Like I am a people person, but I'm a smaller circle of people. So, cause I'm, I'm much more introverted than you. And as we've talked about previously, we've had Don Rice on here with the strengths finders. I I'm high relator, which means I dive deep into the relationship with people. It takes me a while to get there, but then once we're over the cliff, like we go really deep. Yeah. And so I'm a, I'm a people person, but I got to get to know you first. Yeah. And for me, I can just walk up and act like I know. I mean, I feel like I know you already. Like we're just connected. Yeah. Somehow, well, I mean, we were way. visiting a potential customer the other day and someone walks up that you haven't seen in years and they were like, Hey, do you, do you know this person? Do you remember them? And you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, I know her. She was on the prices, right? And blah, blah, blah. And the guy was like, what? Really? And you were like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'd known her for several years and, and remembered that about her. And this is somebody that's been working with her for probably six, seven years now. And it was just like, I had no idea she was on that. I'm like, yeah, I figured that out really quickly. Like I just, that's how I, I just connect with people. So, so when we're talking about relationship management and managing through relations, there's a couple of core competencies that, that you really need to have at least a few of, I'm not saying everybody will excel in all of these, but the first one is probably one of my strengths. And that is influence. I have ability to persuade others and that can be used for good and for bad. Right. So you have to be yeah. very careful with that. That one can be a dual edged sword, but influence on people, you know, Typically, when I manage folks, I try to influence them to do things the way I would do them. Not because I'm perfect, just because I have a lot of experience at this at this point. So I try to influence their decision making more in line with where I would end up. I'm not saying they have to. I let people go against the grain all the time. Sometimes that's the best way to learn is by making your own mistakes, making your own mistakes. So that's definitely one of the core competencies. Um inspirational leadership area that I kind of struggle with, but it has to be my primary focus most of the time because that's providing a vision that motivates others. Right. So we've talked yeah. about it and I feel like we've done the best out of it this year out of any year so far. And we still have room for improvement, right? I'm not saying, Hey, we've arrived. I'm saying yeah. we've taken a step forward in casting our vision and sharing where we want to be. And because of that, two of our three goals are on track and they're two pretty difficult ones. And then the third one, you know, we'll, we'll have to see where that lands, but really inspiring others by giving them a vision that they buy into and want to achieve. 
Another one is, is change catalyst, um, recognizing the need for change and then supporting the process. We're going through that, a lot of that in the office right now. And we're going to be talking on that in a couple of episodes. Um, you we've know, had a, I mean, we've had a lot of change organizationally, even through processes and systems. And we were talking about this yesterday of some of the updates and changes we've made. And it was like, Hey, we got to make sure that that's reflected in our documentation. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and just communicated to others, right? Because yeah. sometimes we'll update a process and then not tell everybody. And then it doesn't get followed. And we're like, what the heck? Why isn't this like, we have a process. When did you guys change it? Oh, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Developing others. This is a huge one. Probably the one we struggle with the most. And I would say we've probably equally made the most progress on it this year. We've been much more intentional in, utilizing some of our EOS tools for providing feedback. And I think we've probably given the most helpful feedback uh, this year to some of the people that have gone through that process where it's a collaborative sit down, like there's homework for the person we're reviewing and we have our own homework as managers and leaders to sit down and complete. And then we have a great conversation that comes out of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's big for everybody to understand when we say we've made the biggest strides, that doesn't mean we're, we're perfect. We've arrived, yeah, right? Like, from right? We still got a long way to go. This is a marathon and we just finished the first part of the 5k, right? Yeah. Like we're, we just finished the 5k. We've done 3.1 of our 26.2 miles. There's still a lot to go, but yeah. we did the 3.1 in the best time we've ever done it in. Right yeah. now we're headed to the 10k and then to the 15k and then we'll be there at that half marathon or is 15k is that more than a half marathon three so if a 10k is 6.4 miles 15k no it's got to be less than a half mile or half marathon half marathon's got to be 13 and i just hit the mic and you're gonna kill me sorry um so yeah so we digress sorry <laughs> rabbit trail that's what i do here at the office best is take uh, us down little trails yes it's uh 13 something i can't yeah. remember yeah so and someone's gonna it's 13.1 because it's 26.2 miles as a marathon. So 13.1 yeah. is, is the half marathon. So it's, it's more than a 15 K. Um, we have to continue to run that race and continue to get better and be intentional in that. So along with that, the other area that we try to focus on is conflict management, settling disputes, differences in opinions and misunderstanding. And we really focused on that through the five dysfunctions book, right? Like the fear yep. of conflict it's helped our relationship immensely when I'm struggling or feeling like, Hey, that we're, we're missing something here, or we have a disagreement or you're not happy. I'm not happy. We, we feel comfortable as long as we're doing it for the benefit of each other. Like, Hey, this is bothering me. We need to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. And at the leadership team level, we've done really well at this, but I don't think our lower management levels have, they're not quite there yet. They are making progress. So that's, once again, I think we're moving the needle, maybe yeah. not as fast as we need to. But even Tuesday in our meeting and the operations meeting, I called out one of our supervisors and he's like, no, no, it's fine. I'll just handle it. And I'm like, no, you're missing the point. Like you're, you shouldn't have to just handle it. You are doing this company a disservice by just handling it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah. I never thought of it that way. I just thought it's getting done. You'll be happy. I'm like, yeah, it is. But God forbid you walk out in front of a bus tomorrow. Now I got to figure out how to make it happen. Like, yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so conflict management is huge. 
building bonds, creating and maintaining networks, probably our strongest of the of the core competencies in relational management in in multiple levels with employees with vendors with office pride corporate i mean you look at some of the franchisees out there they've never talked to met with half the people in corporate yeah we make it our intention to know who everybody is what they're supposed to do and hold them accountable and yeah have them help us when they can yeah right like it's it's not on accident. It's very, very intentional that we build bonds and maintain those networks. And then the last one is teamwork and collaboration, building an effective team. And that's the goal for us. Uh, we're, we're starting a book. Our operations team is this week called, um, I think it's called Great Teams by Don Yeager. It's got 16 different what would you call them? Not chapters. Principles. Yeah. 16 principles into building great teams. And he discusses that um, in the book. And so what we have to do is take that and then apply it. Right. So we're going to read through this book and then we're going together to try and implement this, to build great teams across our company. Right. We have the operations team. We have the office team. We have the other operations team. We have hopefully soon to be a sales team. You know, we've got different levels. We're going to have the scooters team. We've got the leadership team. There's a lot of different teams and the better we play together, the better we are at achieving our goals. Yeah. And I think one area that like we're working to improve is a lot of our, our team members are effective in their individual roles. And so we've got some highly effective individual team members, but it's executing as a team and as a company that we're still trying to, to push them on. It's similar to what you're talking about, like with updating core processes and Hey, I want to make sure, you know, this is how we're changing this. This is how this helps us like that cross team communication and, and working together to be effective is, I mean, that's not unique to us by any stretch of the mean there there's, I don't even know how many books out there about hmm. how to get teams working Hundreds. together. Yeah. Like seminars and, you know, retreats and everything yeah. else. Um, so we, we definitely don't have that figured out. Um, but we definitely are working hard to bring in high caliber people that do well at their positions, but equally letting them know it's okay to, to reach across the aisle. Like, it isn't a hundred percent up to you to make sure everything gets done. Yeah. Yeah. And so for us, we have to make sure that we are using our teams in a role that, that benefits them, right? Like we can put them in a place that does not benefit them. And then that's on us. So as leaders, we want to find ways to inspire and motivate our teams and our people by tapping into their values and what they desire. Right. So they, each person's a little different. I can't manage you the same way that I manage KC, that I manage Joe, that I manage Carl, that I manage Matt. Like everybody's a little different. We have to find out what values are important to them and what desires they have, and then use those to build a connection and, and then align those connections with the business, right? Yeah. There's a need in the business. And if we'll use the, those desires and align them with our business, it's all of a sudden it's like, boom, they're like, okay, yeah, I'm clicking. I'm on fire. I'm ready for this. Yeah. And then something that I think probably most 
businesses struggle with is empathy. May or may not be one of your weaker talents. It might be like 32 or 33. The only thing lower than that on my Clifton strengths is woo. (laughs) So when I worked for Olin back in the day, I called him Olin the heartless because to me, he was heartless. He was, I mean, he was brutal. He would just be like, you're gone, done off with their head. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is crazy. You know, there'd be a, Hey, we're having this problem with this person. Well, I don't care Like, I hire them to come to work and clean. If they can't do that, then they're out of here. <laughs> so we have to use that empathy and then emotional intelligence, which we're learning is more and more important in business and the day-to-day lives as new generations come up. So we have to use those skills to be able to build and maintain a level of trust, right? When we lose that level of trust, we lose a little bit of our authority, so to speak. You know, people and you can there's tons of books out there. Highly recommend uh, Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey. Um, He talks through this a great deal. Right. The love, the higher level of trust you have, the higher level of authority you have. You can lead because of title, but that is not as effective as leading because of trust. So once again, using that empathy and that emotional intelligence to build the relationship, you then gain that trust and then you gain that authority over them. So. We're aware that people's emotions are a little all over the place. And for the most part, we can get a sense of where they're at. We may not be a hundred percent accurate, but genuinely, generally you can walk in and tell if somebody's in a good mood, bad mood, if they're upset, what's going on, you know, leaders that forget this and just try to manipulate the situation typically lose some of that trust level. So it's really the better you are at reading people and reading the situation, the better you will be at gaining trust and moving up in that trust pyramid and then gaining the authority that you need. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, the emotional intelligence part of that is becoming more and more prominent in the business world. And if you haven't heard the EQ, um, it, you're going to hear it in the next year or two. Like it's, it's becoming one of those big, big ticket items that corporations are going to push more and more just like a uh, mental well-being, And mm-hmm. um, because it, it's, uh, you know, thinking back to like the seven habits, of highly effective people and having that emotional awareness can be a huge difference. And in our organizations, one of the ways that I've tried to help Caleb see that is, Sometimes we get a call from a customer in the morning and they're just irate and they're like, you guys suck, you know, and they're just hammering him and he's like, okay, what, what did we do? And they're like, you didn't get my trash can, you know? And in his brain, he's thinking, well, that seems like a bit of an overreaction. Yeah. One trash can out of, (laughs) out of 42 and we suck. And so I've tried to let him know, Hey, sometimes like they've had a bad morning. And maybe they got to the office and their boss just dumped on them. I was like, and then they come in and then their trash wasn't emptied. And so we just are the natural first target and we get dumped on. And so it's having, like you said, that emotional awareness to know sometimes that something else is going on in their life. If they're this upset over a trash can, not being empty Mm -hmm. and we have to be aware of that and not take, Take that personally and being able to sort through that. And it's the same thing. Anytime you have a coworker, right? Sometimes you come by and you're like, Hey, can you help me with this? And they're like, sure. I'll do your job for you. 
And it's like, whoa, <laughs> you have to have that emotional awareness to realize like, hey, something else is going on here. Yeah. Uh, let's let's find out what, what's going on with yeah. you emotionally. <laughs> it's uh, it's fun learning the life and the cycle of customers and complaints. And, and like you said, that EQ and that EI, the emotional integrity, the emotional uh, uh, um, emotional quotient. It's 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 evolving. We're learning. It's one of those things that if you're not paying attention, you're you're going to miss out on. So there's many different types of management out there. I would highly encourage everybody to look into the relational management. I find it personally to be the most effective and enjoyable for me based on my my management style. And I feel like I'm able to get the most done. So look into it. Be careful how you treat folks. Thanks for joining us on an episode of Old Fashioned Working Whiskey. We appreciate your time, your trust, and this uh, this Old Fashioned Working Whiskey has been great. We'll talk to you soon. See you on the flip side. <laughs>